Welcome to this week's Crowd Church service. We are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. Our service will last about an hour and in a few seconds we will start with a time of worship after which you will meet our hosts for our service who will introduce today's talk. After the talk, we head into Conversation Street, where we look at your stories and questions that you've posted in the comments throughout the live stream. I want to invite you to connect with us here at Crowd Church, and there are a few ways that you can do just that. Firstly, you can engage with Crowd from any device during our live stream. And if you're up for it, why not invite a few friends over and experience the service together? You see, church is all about connecting with God and connecting with others. And one of the easiest ways for you to do that is to also join one of our midweek groups where we meet online together to catch up and discover more about the amazingness of Christ. You can also subscribe to our podcast called What's the Story, where we deep dive into stories of faith and courage from everyday people. More information about all of these things that I've mentioned can be found on our website at www.crowd.church or you can reach us uh, on social media at Crowd Church. If you're new to Crowd or new to the Christian faith and would like to know what your next steps to take are, well, why not head over to our website, crowd.church forward slash next for more details. And now, the moment you've been waiting for is here. Our online church service starts right now. What's the point of church? There's probably a whole talk series in itself, but this week's instalment of Acts has some interesting insights. Another question behind this might be, what's the point in me being part of a church? Perhaps you've never considered being part of a church. Perhaps you see faith as essentially an individual practice. A short answer to what's the point of church might be mission. But whose mission? It's very natural to view the world from our perspective, perhaps with us in the centre. But the book of Acts is definitely a narrative with the Holy Spirit at the centre. How would our individual journey look different with the Holy Spirit at the centre? Before we dive into today's reading, a quote I love about the church and mission. And this is from Chris Wright, a theologian and writer, and he says, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for God's mission. So today's talk is about the church, the mission and the Holy Spirit. And our passage is Acts 13, verses 1 to 12, which I will now read. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, <clears throat> Manin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. 
While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now, the early part of this chapter gives a tantalisingly brief snapshot, uh, a snapshot of a community of believers in Antioch, which is a town right at the southern tip of Turkey, close to its border with Syria. And this community was the first one to be called Christians, as you may remember from earlier chapters. Perhaps also the first to be recognised as a distinct church. So thinking about our question, what's the point of church? Let's look at some of the characteristics of this church that go beyond our individual experience. What are the strengths of following Jesus as part of a church and not just as individuals? There are three things I noticed in this passage. The first is diverse perspective. As I said, it's entirely normal to view the world from our singular perspective, we all do it. But the diversity of cultural backgrounds in this early church is striking. Of the few that are named, there is someone from Cyrene, which is modern-day Libya, could have been Arabic or a Berber. Simeon, called Niger, which is the Greek for black, who likely has origins in sub-Saharan Africa. Barnabas, who is a Cypriot Jew. And Saul, originally from Turkey, but more or less raised in Jerusalem. But it's not just cultural diversity. There's a guy who was a childhood friend of the king. Barnabas again, who was a landowner, landowner from a family of priests, and presumably a whole cross-section of society in between, including Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, um, who was a very learned, uh, trained by a rabbi. So what's the big deal with diverse perspective? It's clearly something important to God as we see the growth of the church throughout the known world through the narrative of Acts. There's all sorts of people involved in this whole narrative. And here in this first church where they're first called Christians, the ones they named are immediately diverse. God doesn't want us to stay in an isolated village with the same views as our neighbour, rarely exposed to any different way of thinking. 
the church was supposed to be diverse from the beginning. And if we're isolated outside of community, we just don't get that breadth of experience and perspective. As an aside, it's really interesting that for all its blowing open of access to diverse views, the internet and the increasing use of algorithms to help you search for content uh, seems to be risking rapidly returning us to that pre-globalized state of a village community. Because we effectively hang out with those holding the same views. We're shown the same views on social media. But being part of the church is an excellent opportunity to get exposure to different perspectives. And that may not be immediately obvious, but it's harder than just living according to our own opinion. I'm sure this early church had plenty of spats, but there's something about doing things with and living alongside and loving those with different views that grows not just our character, but also the richness of whatever we are doing. And I'm sure most of us can think of times when we've had to work with people who have completely different ideas. And yet, as we explore those, we end up coming up with something far better. The second strength of the church is increased ability. And these diverse individuals were gathered, which implies they're each contributing something. They're described here as meeting together and worshipping, and there's no sense that this was a one-off or occasional scenario. The whole was greater than the parts. A range of gifts or abilities are mentioned, teachers and prophets here, but much more extensive lists in other parts of the New Testament and in the letters that Paul wrote to the new churches. Personally, I thank God for completer finishers, for visionaries, for musicians, and for tech gurus. But my personal favorite uh, gift called out in the Bible is that of hospitality, because that just seems fun to me. But to think it's actually also a gift that can be used for others' uh, benefit is pretty cool. You notice in these verses that Saul and Barnabas' idea to go on their mission journey, it wasn't their idea. They had prophets and wise companions helping them understand what their part in God's mission might be. They were surrounded by others, all focused on worshipping God and listening for God's word and call. That's something you don't get when you're walking a solitary journey. As well as different gifts, the sheer volume of people involved makes some things possible that seem really daunting as an individual. Here it describes the church sending Saul and Barnabas out that must mean contributing to their needs. They travelled across the sea to Cyprus in the middle of the Med. This would have taken some resource. Finance and food is a minimum. There might have been people in the church who knew a guy with a boat, or who could have arranged introductions at their destination, or maybe just contributed a bit of money or a bit of know-how. The final thing I noticed about the church was encouragement. The church laid hands on them and sent them out. They weren't going solo. It wasn't a case of, well, yeah, this is your mission. Good luck. See you later. No, it was a wider group standing with them. They were really owning the mission, committed to whatever it might involve, even if they weren't physically joining Saul and Barnabas. Laying hands on someone was a sign of conferring authority on them. It's like the church was sending them out as ambassadors. You are part of us. You are representing us. We are with you. We're not just waving you off to your self-determined fate. And, but more than all the practical help, the knowledge there was a crowd of people back home rooting for them and praying for them, ready to welcome them back 
maybe to look out for family members while they were gone must have been a huge relief and benefit. So embarking on anything as part of a community is so much more encouraging and reassuring than striking out on our own. It's the difference between being waved off by a group of family and friends or just quietly going unnoticed through departures as just about just another anyone. So there are good reasons to be part of a church as we personally journey in our faith. God values relationship and likes to involve us in doing things together with others. At heart, I don't think we're most of us wired to do things solo, even if that feels easier sometimes. So the first challenge of this week's scripture is where is your tribe? Where is your community? How are you investing in them? Because God has more for you in community than you would experience without it. Before we look at the ways the Holy Spirit works, let's look at the mission. It really doesn't seem much of a plan. There's no timeline, no apparent budget, no success criteria laid down. The church, it says, fasted and prayed, placed their hands on them and sent them off. All a bit speculative on the face of it. Did anyone have any idea of what they were being set apart for? Well, the very next verse is the crucial one. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia. Now, you know how high-tech crowd is, but I've drawn a little map. This is their journey. I don't know where they'll come out, whether it'll be a mirror image. But look, here's the Mediterranean. We've got Turkey, we've got Syria, we've got Israel, we've got Egypt down here, and this is Lebanon squeezed in. This is where Antioch is. And they came down to the port of Seleucia. They sailed across to Cyprus. I can't draw the line. <laughs> to there, which is, I can't remember the name, of the town, where was it? Salamis. And then they basically traveled over the whole island until the final bit of scripture, which is here in Paphos, which was like the main city of the island. I mean, that takes about a day now on a boat. So, you know, significant journey. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> rereading this reminded me of a very similar journey I went on with a very similar vague mandate. So, a little story. A group of us from Frontline Church were taking part in something called the Reconciliation Walk. And this was in the late 90s, and it coincided with the 900th anniversary of the Crusades, and specifically the Crusades... Um, retaking Jerusalem. It's, this is Richard the Lionheart, Saladin, if you know any of that history, etc. Uh, Robin Hood as well. Kevin Costner got involved, apparently. Um, now, much about the Crusades was pretty awful. It was basically, and, and I'm summarising, um, a bunch of land-hungry mercenaries who were tramping across Europe and Turkey, sent by what you could really call as religious despots to retake Jerusalem by force from the infidel. And with this came the promise of instant salvation if you died on the way. It was hardly Christ-like. And the whole Crusades were associated with abundant atrocities um, and a massive source of hurt and hatred of Christians by Jews and Muslims down the centuries, um, even today. So our mission was to rewalk the route of the Crusaders, apologising for all that was done in Christ's name and praying blessing on the land 900 years after the event. 
And our bit of the route was from Iskenderun, which is uh, a Turkish city um, on the coast of the Mediterranean um, and involved, you may have seen on the news, in the recent Turkish earthquake. Walking then down to Antioch, which is now Antakya, um, again, southern Turkey. And it was an amazing time and we were blown away by how current the need was for some humility from Christians and how much the mullahs, particularly that we met, valued the apology that we made. But after we'd done our section, we still had three days left before our flight. So we worshipped and prayed together. Um, and two of us independently felt that we should go to Cyprus, the Turkish side, that's, that's where we were based in Turkey. So off we went, no plan, no contacts, you could say sent by the Holy Spirit. We literally got off the boat and started talking to whoever we met. But within two days, we'd had meetings with the Speaker of the Parliament and the President, Ralph Denktash. The local press were there taking our photo, and we then had half an hour privately with him and an opportunity to pray for him. It was quite an experience for me, seeing how day by day, following where the Holy Spirit was leading, could open up opportunities I could never even begun to have engineered. None of us could. And we see the same happening here with Saul and Barnabas, getting off the boat and speaking about Jesus across the island, a mission on God's heart that he just needed some willing volunteers to execute. They too end up talking with the highest authority in the land. But my final points are really about the Holy Spirit and how he works. As you read through Acts, you see so many different ways the Holy Spirit operates. This all points to Holy Spirit being a person, one of the three characters of God and not a force. A force tends to operate in a single predictable manner, cause and effect. But what we see in Acts is a whole range of different responses in different settings with different people. Holy Spirit adapts, is unpredictable. We see elsewhere in Acts people misunderstanding this, seeing power and trying to buy it off the disciples like the Spirit was some kind of magic spell or using God's name as an incantation with no real underlying relationship or understanding. One instance of this is in Acts 19 in Ephesus, where the result is that those using God's name like this get beaten up by the demon-possessed man they're trying to heal. He says, I know Jesus, but who are you? The Holy Spirit is God and a person you can relate to, pray to, worship in the same way as you would Jesus. And in these few verses, we see two extremes of how he works. Gentle guidance on the one hand and dramatic power. The first point to note is that if you want to hear from God or be directed by the Holy Spirit, get in the right place. The church was gathered, worshipping, praying. It was out of that ongoing dwelling in God's presence that the Holy Spirit directed them to send Saul and Barnabas to Cyprus in the first place. All the way along their journey, the Holy Spirit led them. The text is careful to note they were sent and empowered by the Holy Spirit. This was clearly then their experience as narrated to Luke, who was writing the Acts narrative. Generally, the Holy Spirit's leading is a gentle nudge, in my experience, an impression given in prayer, a set of circumstances arising when we're in a place of knowing God and seeking to listen to his counsel. This seems to be the way Saul and Barnabas are led. But then at the other extreme, we have the dramatic and rather troubling story of Bar-Jesus, also known as Elimas. He had come across Saul and Barnabas on their travels. He was a Jew. He had have understood their teaching about Messiah, perhaps witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit in, in healings. 
decided they might be a way he could increase his influence with the political power, Sergius Paulus. But it didn't go according to plan. Perhaps, as Saul and Barnabas explained the gospel to Sergius, freedom and salvation through Jesus alone, Elymas could see his influence there might be threatened, might be slipping away as Sergius began to listen to what Saul and Barnabas were talking about. So he turned against the apostles and he began to backtrack Sergius until Saul calls him out and basically strikes him blind. This, to me, all feels a bit uncomfortable. Holy Spirit who saves, frees, heals, directs, encourages, striking a man blind. A couple of final reflections on that. This story challenges me to never underestimate God's power. It's not mine to control or to instruct. This passage is clear to state that Saul did not strike Elymas blind out of his own frustration or spite, but that this was from the Holy Spirit. There's a story in the Gospels where some of Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on this town that had basically insulted Jesus? And Jesus just looks at them and says, you just don't get it. That sort of spite and revenge has no place in God's kingdom. So I also notice then that God is gracious here. Elymas' blindness was temporary. It says, you'll be struck blind for a time. It was a warning to him, but it wasn't a final sentence. It wasn't out of any kind of revenge of the fact that he was opposing Saul and Barnabas. And finally, God has a purpose. What was the plan here? We don't know what happened to Elymas, but I'm pretty sure that just like Saul, after he was temporarily struck blind by his encounter with the Holy Spirit, that he would now have taken a load more notice of what Saul and Barnabas had been, had been teaching. The thing I really notice is Sergius. The proconsul was clearly already drawn to the supernatural. Romans generally were quite superstitious, and he already had an association with Elymas, the sorcerer. Perhaps God knew that such a demonstration of supernatural power was going to be the key that would unlock faith in his heart. The reading finishes with, he was amazed by what he heard and saw. In the end, the Holy Spirit will use whatever means to bring people to freedom and faith, even temporary blindness or the witness of a supernatural occurrence. But most usually, the Holy Spirit will be prompting and nudging our steps as we set ourselves on a path to know God better. So the church, the mission, and the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful combination and adventure for sure. So I hope this encourages you to get involved, however, and wherever you can. Coming up, we have Conversation Street. But before we get into that, here's a clip from our podcast, What's the Story, which you can subscribe to on all your favorite podcast apps. I think grief is its such a tricky thing to process, isn't it? And it takes time and it can make you feel so emotional and can really change your perspective. Grief is not like, Definitely. okay, that my mom passed away, I grieved and now it's all fine. Grief is not like this, where time comes, where yeah. just suddenly you want to cry and then just cry. Yeah. It's fine. Just allow yourself as well as yeah. emotions. As long as you don't stuck in this. God gave us emotions for a reason. I always say so. And I think that's okay to feel whatever you yeah. feel. Because this is well the way to heal. 
So welcome back, welcome back to Conversation Street. Oh yes, we're going to get into Dr. Will's talk. We're going to be chatting about that. So do get writing your questions, your comments uh, in the comments below the video, uh, wherever you're watching, if you're watching on YouTube, I think we might even be on Facebook again. I'm not entirely sure because I'm not sure how the tech was set up. Uh, I should probably check that really. Um, but yes, great that you're here, great that you're with us. And uh, well, first, Anna, uh, that was obviously you doing that interview there uh, about grief. Quick recap on that podcast, because that's out now on the What's the Story uh, podcast channel. Yeah, I mean, I recorded that right at the start of summer, so it's hard to remember, but it was an amazing <laughs> conversation with this lady, Katie, who I met online. And um, she talked a little bit about losing a parent. And um, she also talked about... Um, her experiences of being in a really serious road traffic accident um, oh, wow. and like the trauma after it and having to deal with that and its impact on her life, which is kind of ongoing, but she's an amazing woman with an amazing stories. So yeah, definitely recommend people watch that one and also tune in for other episodes as well because there's a lot of awesome stories on what's the story. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's, 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 I say it's unbelievable. It's, an, it's a wrong thing to say because it's obviously not unbelievable because it's believable as in it's happened. Uh, yeah. But the, some of the stories and stuff that have come out on What's the Story have been insanely good and genuinely yeah. loved it. Um, and it's, you know, you host some of the episodes. I host some of the episodes. Sadaf is going to start hosting some of the episodes as well. So I know she's been busy recording some stories. Um, and so, yeah, it's great. And actually the podcast, um, if you're not familiar with it, what's the story, uh, just head to what's the story podcast.com. Tell you all about it. It's a podcast we do where we just interview people and talk to them about their story, their walk with God and what, what kind of impact that's had. Um, and in hopefully quite a chilled out way. Uh, hopefully it's quite enjoyable. Um, but we have this gathering a lot of traction, that podcast now. So we're now getting lots and lots of people saying, can we come on to the podcast? Uh, we've got a great story to tell, which is great. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, do do connect with that. Do, uh, do download that. Do subscribe actually, to it. Yeah, it's actually one of the um, things I most enjoy doing. It's like just holding space for people to just literally come on and share a little bit about who they are, about their journey of faith. Mm. It's just... I don't know about you, Matt, but it's just so interesting to hear and have a bit more time and space to yeah, it is. just really hear different people's experiences and some of the things they've been through and what's formed them and what's formed their faith. And it, I, I just find every conversation I have with someone just so inspiring. So, yeah, yeah I, I recommend everyone checks it out. Yeah, totally. I'm like, every conversation's great. So, yeah, do check it out. What's the story podcast.com. Okay. I should probably get a little thing to put on the screen that says what's the story podcast.com whenever we talk but it just flashes up. Uh, let's get into Will's talk, Miss Anna. Uh, let's chat about that. Um, Will is just he's just one of the coolest people that I know. And he just sits there and he's just like so chilled out, so laid back. I'm just going to ask a question. What's the point of church? And then he just unpicks it for the next 20 minutes, uh, yeah. which is just really yeah. fascinating. Some of the insight that he bought, wasn't it? Yeah, he's um, he's such a smart guy, Will, isn't he? For like people that don't know him, he's he works for Public Health England, or he has done, yeah. and he, he's a scientist, and he's a very smart guy. Um, 
but yeah, he also knows a lot about the Bible too. And um, no, I just I find it I find it fascinating. Um, even though we're skitting his art skills there in the comments, like <laughs> But you know what? We can't be good at everything. So yeah, but I, I he just had a lot of good points to to make, didn't he? And it's almost like where do you begin? But I I love so much of what he said about how church is about community, and mm. you know, it's about. Um, being alongside other people who can encourage you in your faith, yes. that kind of thing. And yeah, for me, that's just one of the most things about being part of church. And, you know, we talk about it all the time here on Crowd Church. It's not, church isn't a building. And obviously we don't believe it's just a building because we're doing church online right now yeah. um, from our own homes. So, you know, church is about people. It's about connecting about with other people of God, really, um, and yeah. supporting each other as we grow together and, and that's that's the core of it really and i think that's kind of what he said um and his final point and yeah i just that really sticks with me and i think yeah for me more than anything else that's the point of church like mm. that's why i keep going that's why i yeah. you know i i started going to church as as a kid you know i i didn't get a choice when i was little yeah. um the reason i've continued to pursue it as an adult is you know for that sense of community and mm needing other people around me to encourage me in my faith more than anything else probably yeah so true and in fact uh paula wrote that in the comments let me see if i can look at this let me see if i can make that oh no i just sorry paula it's a new computer i'm just going to edit this on the fly and try and make that text bigger he says how do i do that <laughs> you had the bigger to start with yeah oh here we go let me it's on the, the wrong screen so let's look at this see if i can do that there we go there we go so church is most definitely the people are not a building last weekend i attended the cf 23 uh, which was a Christian conference. Cool. Uh, I've not heard of that one, but I hope it was good. Uh, I haven't been to one in 10 years. I've missed so much the gathering of the church. Uh, and yes, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? I, I, I think we all agree that church is not the building, but it is the community aspect of it. Coupled with the mission aspect of it, which I know um, Will also talked about. I mean, uh, there we go. Um, but let's talk about the community aspect of it first, then we'll jump into the mission aspect of it. Um, and uh, the building and encouraging of others, but seeing God at work in us and others, Paul says here. Uh, yes, I know it's all about Jesus, but it's about others too, uh, says Miriam. Let me add that to the little... There we go. I'm getting used to this. Add to the broadcast thing. Oh, yes. I am a technical genius. Uh, I'm, I should, really shouldn't say that. Because <laughs> that's just going to come back and haunt me. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I know how to push a button on the screen. Uh, but uh, Miriam, you're right. It's, uh, it is about others. It's about the community aspect of it. And in fact, we were talking about this in church this morning uh, in our in-person gathering. And John Harding was talking about this, wasn't he? How um, as things, uh, Paul has put in the comments, well done, Matt. Thank you. Yes, big cheers. Hang on, hang on, Paul. Let's do this. Yes, well done for pushing the button. <laughs> oh, bless me. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, John was talking about uh, deconstructing your faith 
um, which is is a, is a topic in its own right, and I I think John should definitely share that talk with us here on Crowd. Um, but he talks about one of the hallmarks of people who deconstruct their faith is one of the first things they do is remove themselves from a community that can help them process and deal with the questions and doubts that they have um, and, and answer those questions. And there's something about staying connected and not isolating yourself, isn't there, which is super, super important. Yeah, that's right. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting because you talked a lot about how quite often, you know, like having questions and doubts is a normal part of the Christian walk. Yeah. Which I think it is. Like we all have times, seasons, hard things happen in our lives. And, you know, it, it's normal and it's healthy to say, where's God in this? You know, why isn't God answering my prayers in the way I expect? All those yeah. questions are like normal and healthy to ask. And um, it's unhealthy not to ask them really. But I think if it's hard to process them unless you've got other people to bounce those ideas off who can kind of give you perspective. And I know I've needed that in times when I've been through hard things. It's like you need other friends to say, you know, that's how you feel, Anna, but like this is pointing you back to the truth. And actually it needs, sometimes there's definitely periods of life where you're like, I need other people to stand with me and pray with me and encourage me. And then there's other times where I've been able to do that for other people. And yeah. on both sides of that fence, it's it's such a blessing. And I think, yeah, you're right. Isolating yourself is it tends to be when people get stuck yeah. because you see outside of your own perspective and it sort of needs other people to come around you and say, ah, but have you thought about it like this? Or have you mm. looked at it from this perspective? Or, you know, like I, th I think we can be so blinkered and so narrow in our own view and, um, and that's why we do need other people. And I don't think that's just true of church. I think it's true of lots of things mm. in life. You know, I, you know, you and I both work in marketing fields, Matt, and it's the same thing, isn't it? Sometimes you can't think your way out of a solution and someone else goes, oh, I've got this creative idea. And you're like, oh, I've never thought of that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's brilliant. Let's do that. And so you see in lots of walks of life that we need, we're built to not do life alone. And I think yeah. Will actually said that, didn't he, in the talk? Yeah, he did. That most of us need other people around us. Um, to really kind of push us and challenge us and help us to see things in different ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah I totally agree. How is, here's a question for you, listening to you talk, uh, Anna, because um, I, uh, I don't know if we've ever had this conversation, but maybe we did in the What's the Story podcast, but have you ever been tempted to isolate yourself, to withdraw from the church community? Um. I think there's been seasons of life where I find it hard to go to church or mm. even seasons, you know, where I haven't gone every single week. And I, I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I never totally withdraw myself from being in relationship with other Christians and talking to them and meeting up with them one-to-one -one and in small groups of settings. I know like I, you know, I've talked about this before on Crowd Church, but myself and my husband went through a whole season of multiple miscarriages. Um, and it was really hard to go to church every week afterwards because church can be quite high energy, or certainly our church anyway, it's quite high energy. It's quite um, celebratory when, you, when you're in the worship and praise sort of, sort of section of it. And, you know, when you're not feeling in that space, I think it'd be really hard to be around like happy, positive Christians. You're like, actually, I'm just not feeling this right now. And so it's okay to have seasons where you, you know, need space from that kind of expression of church. And I think I have taken short breaks from it at different times 
But yeah, I've never taken breaks from being in friendship and relationship with other believers. Um, and that's, that's really important, I think. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. It's, um, it is temp I, I remember years ago, I was, uh, I, I've mentioned this before on crowd that I, I felt quite annoyed with church. Um, and I think I, I think we've all, if you've been around church for a while, there are times when you're going to feel really annoyed with it. Um, yeah. And I, I can't remember it's what... Because it's made up of like people like you and I, just ordinary exactly. people, right? So yeah, it's yeah. always going to let you down. Yeah, exactly. It's all imperfect people trying to run a perfect organization is is never gonna it's never gonna bode well right um and so it's an interesting one isn't it because i was angry at something i i, I genuinely cannot remember why i was annoyed um, that's the that's the irony of all of this you know um and i was i i do i leave do i stay what do i do and i i remember praying about it and saying god that i just wasn't happy and then god reminded me really it, clearly and actually the verse was put uh, on the in the comments let me add it to where's my mouse gone let me add this to the broadcast uh so this was put in the comments do not neglect to meet together as in the as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near this was fascinating to me because i'm uh, we're starting to swell over a little bit into the mission of the church um but it's very clear in this passage that for me, one of the key purposes of church is to encourage one another. So yes, it's for me to get encouraged. Yes, it's for me to connect with God in worship. It's for me to grow through the teaching. It's for me to grow through the connections in the community. And these are all great things and wonderful things. But church is, is predominantly about me going with the purpose to encourage those who are in that church building. Does that make sense? And it's um, it's a really interesting thing that I was missing. And I, th I think when people struggle with church, when struggle people struggle with the community, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not going and encouraging other people. Um, we have become discouraged and therefore we are not encouraging. Um, and I would, uh, it's one of the things I love about the comments and, and conversation street, you know, people can just encourage the socks off one another uh, in the comments. And, um, and I love that, you know, I, I love the fact that community is about encouraging one another, about um, encouraging just means to, to help people feel couraged, courageous, courageous to do life, courageous to do, um, you know, work, parenting. Uh, Sarah's in the comments, I met the uh, little, uh, the little baby today is cutest cutest thing uh, yes and um, but it's it's about isn't it it's about bringing that encouragement to other people it's not just about what you get um, community is never about just take 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 community is about often what you give and that encouragement to other people around you um, and that's what one of the reasons I love going to church I'm, I saw Al Al's been on the church live stream before Al Marshall absolute legend probably one of the most encouraging people I know mm. Do you know I mean he's he's always high fiving you, hugging you, and just telling you yeah. you're awesome, and it's it's just great like that. So uh, that's my challenge: go to church and encourage people. It's an awesome thing to do. Right, let's look in the comments. What's people been talking about in the comments? Uh, Matt says he can't go to in-person church due to health reasons. That's another reason why we love online church. We know not everybody can get to an in-person church, um, and uh, you're more than welcome here at Crowd. Great to see you, obviously. Um, 
I told the people in Billings to stop saying that they're not special because they are to me. They push me away, but not thinking that they're by not thinking they're amazing. So I'm glad it's sorted. Uh, Miriam, me too. Um, uh, Paul has put here a new gift I found was prophecy. Okay, so we're talking in the context of church. I shared uh, in a small number only to be said by another in a bigger context, not knowing what God spoke to me, which is cool. Um, yeah, people need to be about others, not just God, 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 all the time. <laughs> That's a really interesting comment. I'm going to put that on the screen, Miriam. Uh, I know what you mean when you say that. Um, uh, but Anna, do you want to, what, what's your impression? What's your thoughts when you I see that? I actually thought John explained this really well. And I think I know what Miriam's getting at. But I, I think John Harding spoke about it this morning um, when we were frontline. And he was talking about kind of how we... Some people like tend to have quite a consumeristic outlook uh, on faith, you know, like yeah. we go to church what we can get. Like I, you know, I go to church to get like stuff out, some input from God for my week to strengthen me, to help me, to, you know, give me the encouragement I need to go on with my week and do what I need to do in my life. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not the whole picture, is it? That's mm. not that, as you say, part of church is also about mission. And so it, you know, it's a very self-centered, you know, like, and because that, that's, if your, if your faith is all about a good church or I meet with other believers just for what I can get out of it or because it helps me and my faith or me and my life, what happens when your life's not easy? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, God's not helping me, so therefore it's not working or it, it becomes very simplistic if it's just a like very yeah. transactional, I go to church. It's like, it's like praying just to receive stuff from God, isn't it? Mm. But actually the purpose of prayer is to connect with God and to build yeah. a relationship with God, not to always get what you want from God. Mm -hmm. It's not like a transactional thing. And I think we can easily approach any area of faith in a very transactional way because we live in a very consumer-focused kind of transactional sort of world. Like we're used to being consumers and yeah. approaching life in that way. And I think, yeah, for me, like the, the whole thing of like... Um, you know, it's not just about God. So it's not about just like, faith isn't just about a line up between you and God. And yeah. it's a two-way thing. It's also about affecting the world around you. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't work unless it's about both. It's like up to God and out to others. And mm. I think it's a bit lopsided. I mean, Jesus said, didn't he? Um, like when he was asked, what's the most important command? And he said, love God and love others. But it wasn't yeah. like one or the other. It was like the two together. It's yeah, like yeah. these important commands it's like if you could sum up all the law yeah the old testament in one jesus says in the new testament love god and love people around you love the world so it's yeah to me it's like never been one or the other it has to be both together yeah um, yeah no totally yeah. very good point good point miriam i'm well explained anna let's talk uh in the last few minutes uh just touching back on something that we'll talk about about the mission of the church so we are, we are part of a church it's better to be in the church rather than isolated it's better to be with a community of people and church isn't just a church building and and, and we we understand that but it, to be plugged into the community of believers um let's talk about the mission of the church um uh, and i love how, how we'll use that quote at the start how the church isn't given uh what was it there's something about it the church isn't given a mission from god the the mission of the church is the mission of god or something like that. i'm just yeah. butchered will's quote sorry will um but it's 
How would you summarize the mission of the church? Oh, it's a hard, it's a hard, um, it's a hard question. I suppose in essence, it's about, um, it's about reflecting God and his message to the world, isn't it? Mm. It's about being, you know, um, it's about being God's representatives here on earth, sort of like reflecting who God is to those that don't know him in essence. I think that's crooks. How would you explain it, Matt? Back at you. Yeah, I would, uh, back at you. <laughs> um, I totally, uh, I, I think what you said there, Anna, was was right, you know, in, the, in a lot of sense that I think the mission of the church, uh, if I was going to use Christian terminology, would be to build and establish the kingdom of God here on earth. Um, but I appreciate that's very action orientated language. And if you don't know church, that's very bizarre Christian speech. Yeah. Um, but I think the purpose, I think the, the mission of church is to reflect the nature and character of God mm -hmm. and Christ and the gospel of Christ, the good news, you know, that he came, that he died, that he rose from the dead um, to the communities and the world around us. And I think, uh, I think we're a safe haven. I think we're a community. I think there's a whole, there's a whole raft of things that I can throw under the title of the mission of the church. But yes, I think uh, Andy summarised it here. You know, Christians are ambassadors of God's love, uh, which is very true actually. And the church should be that, not love as in Hollywood's version of love, but actually as in the love of God. Uh, to people here on earth and I think very very true what fascinated me though in Will's talk when he was talking about this was he referenced that part in Acts 13 where um, what was the chap's name I wrote it down because I knew uh, Elimas was blinded like this is not something right that <laughs> you know we, it's not I, I don't know, but I've never used this as a sort of a how do I share the gospel kind of thing. Well, you know, um, there's, God might make you blind. I don't know. Um, now, granted, he was opposing Paul and he was a sort of, you know, trying to convince somebody else that the gospel was not real. And God got a little bit, you know, involved in that situation. But it's not your standard protocol for demonstrating the love of God um, to to people. But somehow it worked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got I mean, any thoughts on this? That's my that's my silence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel like it's context, isn't it? Like, mm. obviously, in that scenario and that situation for that person, it it did work. I, you know, I wouldn't advocate that kind of prayer, like wholesale <laughs> for people. You know what I mean? But it's God knew that person's heart in that situation, so mm. I think He worked in a way. You know, like He He. He, he did challenge people and get in their face sometimes, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. Like, like I always think of that one way. He says to a rich man, you know, go and sell all your, you know, how who, who asked him how do I how do I find the kingdom of God? And he said, go away, sell all your riches, and then come back and talk to me about it. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, you know, that wouldn't be what you tell everyone to do. But clearly, God knew his heart, yeah, and that he needed to deal with the hold that money had on his life before he could really understand who God was. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a lot to do with like individuals and yeah, kind of the message they need from God. But yeah, yeah. I 
I think one of the interesting things about being, um, being, you know, we're talking about the, the whole idea of being God's representatives on earth and kind of showing people what God is like. I think that's what the church does when it's at its best. Mm. So, you know, when the church is at its best, it's doing mission like it's feeding people with food banks or it's, you know, kind of helping the homeless or it's reaching out to refugees and asylum seekers. There's a whole number of things that the church does really well. But I also think when the church is unhealthy or individuals in the church aren't healthy, it can do the opposite. And that's where that's where it can be hard, isn't it? People have Mm. bad experiences of church or Christians in some some instances because they're not really representing God's love in that situation. And and I suppose, yeah, we just want to say in Crowd Church, if that's ever been your experience, then we're Mm. sorry. Because that's not what this should be about. It's 100% about loving people. Yeah, totally. Which is why it was super powerful what we were sharing about the Crusades and several hundred years later just walking through those lands and apologizing mm. to those people. It sounds a bit odd, I suppose, that what uh, we'll call the reconciliation books could sound a bit odd, um, mm. but it opened some remarkable doors, didn't it? I mean, he met the president yeah. of Cyprus, was it, and was talking to him about it. Um, and the ability of the church to own up to the church's mistakes and go, actually, I'm that's wrong and we are sorry and we are going to do something about that. The church, I think, in a lot of ways should be the first organization in the world to do that. Um, But historically, it's hidden behind its power and its closed doors and its secrecy, which is never always that helpful. Um, So like you say, uh, super sorry if that's been your experience, but um, that's what happens when broken people uh, you know, run something like the church. Yeah. Um, so what we got in the comments here? Okay, so Paula says, seeing Jesus, oh, hang on, I can do this. It's a new talent, <laughs> I may as well use it. Uh, seeing Jesus in us uh, is a witness and they get to know God through how we reflect Jesus in our lives. Yes, that's totally true. Um, so as Christians, uh, I'm going to use that word Andy used, ambassador. We are ambassadors. We do demonstrate and reflect Christ to people around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not always great at it, uh, but we are always doing it. And that's what is one of those things, isn't it? We just need to be aware of, uh, I think, and, and it's part of our mission. Listen. I'm aware of time, Anna, and I feel like we should probably draw this conversation to a close. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your comments uh, and stories and just general conversation uh, about church, your place in church. Uh, And my encouragement to all of us is to see yourself as part of a tribe, a community, uh, and a church, whether it's like crowd onlining, you're always welcome here, um, or whether it's an in-person church, wherever that may be, do become part of that community. It is life-changing and uh, an extraordinary thing. And it's just part of the goodness of God uh, for us. So get involved and contribute and go and encourage people would be my advice. Right. Matt Crew is in the comments. I'm going to add this to the, the, the book because this is the kind of comment that Matt sends me all the time. Promote the Zoom. What's happening next week? Uh, it's, it's great. It keeps us on the ball. So let's tell everybody what's happening next week Anna I would ask you but I know for a fact you don't know I don't know because you haven't told me that because we're back to today 
<laughs> That's one of those things we didn't talk about. Yes, next week we have the legendary Pete Farrington. I'm just pulling up his details here. Who is carrying on the conversation. Acts 13, 13 through 52. Uh, Pete is going to be sharing. And if you're a regular of crowd, uh, Pete will be a familiar face to you. The man is an absolute legend. Um, and so looking forward to what P.S. say. Had a great meal with him and his wife, Albiola, just before we went away at the start of summer, which was awesome. What a legend that man is. Um, so great to see Pete. Do come join us for that uh, on the live stream. If you haven't done so already, head over to the website, uh, which is on your screens, www.crowd.church, if you're listening to the audio. Or you can head over to social media, at Crowd Church. You can find out more information about us there. Um, but sign up to the email if you haven't done so already and we just email you and let you know when we're going live and all of that sort of good stuff. Yes, that's what's coming up next week. Uh, promote the Zoom. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, I still need to do that. So every <laughs> every week, uh, when it's not August, uh, every week uh, we get together on a Wednesday night on Zoom calls, uh, 8 p.m. here in the UK. That's 3 p.m. Eastern time if you're in the States. Um, but if you would like to join in the community where we just catch up, uh, pray for one another, uh, talk to one another, ask lots of questions, you're more than welcome, whether you're a regular church or whether you're new to the Christian faith or whether you're not even sure you're a Christian at all, you are more than welcome to come and join us. We would love to see you there that's going to be on wednesday if you'd like to know more information about that again head over to the websites www.crowd.church uh, for more information reach out to us and we will of course send you the zoom link now one of the things anna we have talked about doing which we'll probably start doing in the next few weeks ladies and gentlemen is you will notice we didn't do worship tonight and there's a reason we didn't do worship tonight we did chat a little bit longer than we normally would do uh is <laughs> we are going to start doing a zoom call after the church service so we we normally start at six finish at seven so we're going to start to try and aim and finish about quarter to seven ten seven somewhere around there we are going to then head over to zoom for those of you who join us on the live stream that want to come and just catch up a bit like you do at church you know with we, we haven't got the tea or the biscuits so that's the only thing you might bring your own tea and biscuits uh, and just catch up with people no agenda just come and say how's it can meet people it's always nice to put names to faces and stuff like that so we're going to start doing that in the next few weeks stay tuned for more information about that and anything else from you in closing no just have a great week everyone be blessed stay connected and yeah we'll see you again soon indeed we shall we shall see you next week Anna. thank you so much for joining me uh thanks for taking time out from your parents and your water fight uh, are you going to go back That's, to water fighting now? No, that is very definitely over now. I told them to shut up. So otherwise you would all be hearing something <laughs> about going in. Like, crowd church, church, you know. Nobody needs that. So yeah, no, yeah. all over, thankfully. Nobody yeah. needs that. <laughs> Absolutely. So here we go. Let me add this to... Uh, we are messing ourselves in peace talk this week. Oh, no, that was the one I meant to put on. Sorry, Matt. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. Thanks for being part of the Crowd Church family, echoed by all of us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us here on Crowd Church. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button as well as that little tiny bell notification to get notified the next time we are live. And of course, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the live stream podcast, make sure you also hit the follow button. Now, 
by smashing the like button on YouTube or writing a review on your podcast platform. It helps us reach more people with the message that Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful and purposeful life. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out our website, www.crowd.church, where you can learn more about us as a church, more about the Christian faith, and also how to connect into our church community. It has been awesome to connect with you, and you are awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear, and hopefully we'll see you next time. That's it from us. God bless you. Bye for now.